Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher. I'm at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well and are blessed in all things. And we are talking about the call of God and uh, we are about to talk about the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts. We have spoken. I've given you a background. We've talked, we have talked about the, uh, the supported gifts, which some people call lay ministers, as you would call them. That means they are not apostles prophets or evangelists or pastors and teachers, but they are lay ministers. And uh, um, some people call them ministers of helps. There's different names for them, but I prefer to call them supportive ministries. So supportive ministries, then we are talking about how, uh, you know, it really has to do about the body, about the body of Christ. And that's what we were speaking about last time. And uh, I read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31, which is very interesting because here it talks about a combination of fivefold ministry gifts, of spiritual gifts, as in 2 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and also about motivational gifts, which we find in the book of Romans. And then uh, it begins to talk about now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with its own place and function. Now, this is very, very important for us to uh, understand because, you see, um, Western culture, especially the United States where I live, is a very individualistic culture. It's, it's like every man for himself. And the collective element is there, but it comes... Uh, um, way behind the individual element. The, the, the individual context is most important. And then, then, the, then, then you have the collective which lags way behind. So in other words, for example, nowadays uh, every, every, in America we like to talk about individual rights because it's enshrined in the Constitution. But collective responsibilities are as important as individual uh, rights, but they're not enshrined in the Constitution. So people, uh, but you see, rights without um, w without responsibilities are off. That's skewed. That's that's wrong. So because you know, as we enjoy our rights, um, and and we uh, uh, you know we we accept our fellow citizens to uh, to uh, make sure that I have my rights, you have your rights, and we love our lives according to rights, we also have responsibilities to each other, to one another. That is very important. And especially the body of Christ, this mentality can carry over to the body of Christ. And you see that these days. So you have got these individual ministries, you know, and every man has his own faith. He's building his own ministry, either a TV ministry or he's a church pastor. So he's a success because he has a church. And he's the head of a huge church. He's the head of a ministry. And he's the one who's talked about as being a success. But what about the people who pray for him? I mean, who, who, who give financially to the ministry? Uh, he wouldn't be where he is without them, but they never get a mention. The people who are the, who are the unseen heroes behind every ministry, behind every church, they are not mentioned, but only the number one man is mentioned because it's all about individual. So the guy talks about, you'll hear guys say, this is my ministry, or they'll say, I built this ministry from scratch. And, and there's no mention. What about those people who believed in you? What about the people who prayed for you all these years? What about those people who made financially sacrifices, uh, financial sacrifices 
to, uh, for you to be able to do what you have done. Aren't they mentioned? Do you owe anything to them? Uh, aren't they the real heroes? And this, uh, these are questions we should be asking, but we don't because it's all about individual and individual um, accomplishment. So, so we have a lot of uh, it's a very individualistic world we live in. You have individual ministries and uh, they are the big stars. That's where you have the superstars, uh, superstar pastors, superstar TV ministers and superstar evangelists. And, and, and we forget that we, I, like for example, in my case, my goodness, I would not be able to do what I'm doing today. I mean, I'm by no means a star, but you know, I've been ministering the gospel for 44 years. I see about a million people come to the Lord every year and we have planted many churches, but I would not be able to do it without, firstly, the people who, who have prayed for me and loved me and believed in me all these years and who were there to pick me up when I failed. and. Those who have over the years made financial sacrifices to enable me to do what I'm doing. And not only that, those who taught me, who discipled me when I was young. And uh, you know, all those and uh, all these people around me, plus my teams in, in Africa and in Asia, who sacrifice so much, who work so hard. And I'm the one who's seen on the platform. So people talk about me and my ministry, but they're the real heroes because without them, I wouldn't be able to do anything uh, that I'm doing. So we are the body of Christ. And, and it's very important that we understand how the body of Christ works. So we are collectively the body of Christ and individually we are members of the body. So you see, when you're part of a body, uh, that's why, you know, when you identify yourself of a, uh, of, uh, with a body, instead of saying, well, I go to that church, you know, like I said, I go to the worship center, that's my home church. I go to the worship center. So one day the pastor says something or somebody does something, I get upset, what do I do? I take my family and I just leave because I never counted myself as a part of that body. But I looked at it just as a church that I attended as an individual along with my family and it is my individual right to attend that church and it is also my individual right to leave that church because I got offended at something the pastor said. So. You know, people pe people are funny because they think individually. But if you think collectively, then you'll say, you know, that's the body God has put me in. I'm a part of that body. That's where I belong. I'm part and parcel of it. So that's why I can't just tear myself away from it and leave. I mean, of course, if they do something that is unscriptural, that's another uh, reason. But, you know, nowadays people are upset at... Uh, you know, if the pastor says we should wear masks, there are people upset. If the pastor said we will not wear masks, then people are upset. If the pastor says we'll have Sunday school, then people are upset. If he says that uh, we, uh, we will not have Sunday school, then there's other people who are upset. It's because they put their individual preferences before the body of Christ and beloved. That is wrong. So when we talk about ministry gifts, whether it be fivefold ministry gifts or we talk about supportive ministries and we talk about serving in the body, 
and you know being a servant of God either as a fivefold ministry gift or in any other capacity when we talk about the gifts of the spirit the giftings and the anointing of God upon our lives we should be talking about the body of Christ collectively because you see the gifting on my life to preach the gospel i mean i've been around long enough to understand this is the area where God uses me and where God uses me is to preach the gospel to heal the sick to cast out demons to plant church but these gifts are not for me to build up my ministry and be a hero or a superstar of some sort these gifts are for the body and only when i sacrifice my life and lay down my life for the body and flow as a part of the body and i'm sent out by the body and i do everything i do for the body only then do i find myself in the right context so we have to we have to embrace this truth and we it's important for us to understand because here in america especially where people are so self-centered and individualistic we must understand that it's not about us as individuals it is about the collective and we uh, we are members of the church the body of christ the body of christ is the is the real entity because Christ is not divided when you say Jesus you don't say an arm there an ear there and nose there and a leg there no it's one body like a person is one body i am one body and Christ is one body but you and me are parts of it and it is by being in Christ that we are joined to the body and we are parts of the same body so i am inseparable from you and you are inseparable from me we are together because that is the way god has ordained it amen so anyway so so in when he says so god in verse 28 so god has appointed some in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers so when god appoints people in the fivefold ministry gifts or in the supportive ministries he appoints them in the church god doesn't appoint people to be lone rangers that here's a guy who runs about with his own ministry and god says okay i want you to be a prophet i want you to be an apostle you build your ministry use your faith build your ministry so you build your ministry and then you're independent of everybody else and 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 anybody else who is in ministry similar to yours or is as known as you are suddenly he becomes a competitor listen that is ungodly that is not of god we are together we are parts of the body of christ and because we are parts of the body of christ we are parts of one another so we must get this into our understanding to f- function in full capacity amen So anyway, so it says in verse 31, uh, this is where I ended yesterday. It says, "But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and the gift the best gifts and graces." It says, "So we are actually exhorted to earnestly with all our hearts desire and cultivate the greatest and the best gifts and graces." So, what are the best gifts? Well, the best gifts are the ones that are needed the more most at the place you are if i'm in a hospital and people are dying of cancer the best gift at that time would be gifts of healings to be able to for god to be able to flow through me to heal people with cancer at that time the best gift would not be 
um, you know, the gift to be a teacher or a prophet or something, you know, one of the motivational gifts and, or, or to speak in, uh, you know, uh, speak in tongues or interpret tongues. It's a good gift, but interpreting tongues is not what is needed when I'm in a hospital. If you're a carpenter, the best tools are, are a hammer and a, a saw, you know, things like that. And rather than a cooking spoon, cooking spoon is good if you are needed to cook something, pots and pans. But if you're a carpenter, you don't need, you need them. So the best gifts are the ones that are needed. So uh, always be very flexible and open to the Lord to use you whatever way you can. And that's the way I am. So people ask me, well, what office are you in? Are you in a, I said, I don't know. I am, I've always looked at myself as a spare tire. A spare tire is there, but it's pressed into service whenever it's needed. It can be the front, left, front, right, back, left, back, right, wherever it is needed. You put the spare tire there. You don't ask the spare tire, oh, can I put you in the in the right front? And they, he said, no, 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 I'm a rear left. You know, you don't do the spare tire fits in everywhere. And I said, Lord, I want to use, I want you to use me in whatever way you can, wherever I'm needed, I'm available. So that's why I've done crusades, I've planted churches, I taught at a Bible college, I've counseled people, I've done all kinds of things because, um, because I just want to be available to the Lord in whatever way he may need me. So I would advise all of you to have that mentality uh, that you make yourself available to the Lord in whatever way he might need you. And Sometimes God has told me to polish somebody's shoes. I've done that also. Sometimes God has told me to cook food for people. I've done that also. And other times God has told me, I want you to stand and preach to this massive crowd. I've done that also. Because we do everything to serve the Lord and to serve the body of Christ. Amen. Praise God. So he said, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces. The higher gifts and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way. One that is by far and the highest of them all. Love. So, they, so you, you seek the best gifts and, and, and the greatest graces. <coughs> but there is something higher than the greatest of all these gifts. And that we see in the next chapter. If I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. That means speaking in plain speak and speaking in tongues because you see there are tongues of men and of angels and sometimes when we speak in tongues we are not speaking in human tongues but we are speaking the tongues of angels but have not love that reasoning intentional spiritual devotion such as is inspired by God's love for us and in us I am only a noisy gong or a clanging symbol and if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And I have faith that I can move mountains, but I have not love. I am nothing. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory but have not love, I gain nothing. So what he's saying that, listen, I can, if I speak in tongues, or, uh, uh, but I don't have love, 
tongues in different kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, but I don't have love. I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. But if I have the gifts of prophecy and I know divine secret truths and mysteries and I have all knowledge and I have faith to move mountains, I can, I have mountain moving faith. God does miracles to my life. He says, but I do not have love. I am nothing. If I give my, if I give everything I have to the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, I have nothing. And we should always keep this in mind because faith worketh by love. And so if I have faith to move mountains and to do great things for God and miracles and all that, speaking in tongues, interpreting miracle, mighty manifestations of God. If I have all those things, but I don't have the love of God in me, then it all amounts to zero. Now, people might not think that, but that's the way God looks at it. Sometimes people say, I've heard people say about some minister, oh, okay, he doesn't treat people well, but look at the way God uses him. You know, he, he can be quite nasty with people. He can be abrasive and unloving and we wish he'd learn to love more. But look at the great ministry. Look at the great ministry he has built up. Look at the crowds that come to his meeting and look at the miracles. But he, of course, he doesn't love people. The Bible says this is how God looks at such a person. He says that person is nothing, 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 because the greatest of all is love. So we must remember that love is the motive the motivating factor behind everything. It is the foundation of everything because everything we have is because God loved us. We have not received anything because we have deserved it, but everything we have received, we have received because of the love of God, okay? Now, let's go to the next thing. And we, we, we're about to launch into the fivefold ministry gifts, but, but uh, I want to give you a background to the fivefold ministry gifts. and. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 19 to 26. And this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests, sent priests and Levites to ask him. So, you know, John was preaching and he was baptizing people into repentance. And he was very, I mean, he was quite well known. He became well known because of his fiery preaching. And, uh, and, and he was baptizing people and Crowds began to come. Although he was out in the desert, you had people, you had soldiers, you had police, you had uh, all kinds of people, high and low. Everybody sought him out to hear him preach. And um, so they asked him, they said, who are you? So the Jews of Jerusalem, they sent priests and Levites. So you had priests and Levites. I mean, you know, these were the priesthood. The priests and Levites came to him and they asked him, who are you? But he openly declared, I am not the Christ. In case you're wondering, I am not the Christ. Then said, then they said, then who are you? They inquired, are you Elijah? Because they said that, you know, Elijah would come. And he said, I am not, which is interesting because Luke one seventeen says that Jesus came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So, I'm sorry, not Jesus, but John the Baptist, that John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So the correct answer to, it, to this when they said, are you Elijah? 
He should have said, yes, I'm the one who has come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That's what he should have said. But he said, I'm not. Then they said, are you the prophet? Because there would be a prophet who would come before the Messiah. And he actually was that prophet. And he answered, no. So they said to him, but who are you? We need an answer for those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? Then John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now, this is interesting. He, they asked him these three questions. Are you the Christ? He said, no. Are you Elijah? He said, no. No, he was not the Christ. That answer was correct, that he was not the Christ. But when they said, are you Elijah? He should have said yes, because he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. But he said, no. They said, are you the prophet? And he said, no, although he was that. But they said, but who are you? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. This is interesting because John the Baptist, he didn't have a clear idea of who himself was in the sense that he didn't realize what office he himself stood in. But what he had a clear revelation of who Jesus was and what his task was with relation to Jesus. So if you if you look further on and then says uh, because he was bad. Then the next verse says, then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And he says, I baptize, I'm <coughs> sorry, with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And then in the Gospel of Luke says, he's the one who shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, this, I want you to get this. John the Baptist is being asked, are you Elijah, are you Jesus, are you the Christ? He said, no. Are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you the prophet? No. Who are you then? He said, I am the one who is, who is crying out in the wilderness, just prepare the ways of the Lord, prepare the way for the Lord. And then the Pharisee said, but but why do you baptize then? If you're not Christ, you're not Elijah and not Elijah, nor the prophet. And he says, I baptize you with water, but there is coming one after me. He's so much greater than me that I'm not worthy to untie the straps of his sandal. Now, what that means, if you understood Middle Eastern culture, because anything to do with the feet, with the sandals is done by the lowest servants in the house. So when you come to someone's house, uh, the servant, the lower servant will is the one who will do, who will touch your shoes and your sandals because, uh, you know, the feet being the lowest part of the body and the head being the highest part of the body. It is always the lesser who touches the feet of the greater. So uh, that's the job of the lowest in the household. So what he's saying is saying he who comes after me, he is so much greater than me that I am not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. And then 
in John 3.30 when they told him that the ministry of Jesus was becoming bigger than you because John the Baptist had baptized Jesus and now Jesus, is, Jesus was becoming more popular than him. His ministry was growing. It was becoming bigger than his own ministry. And, and then his classic thing was that he says, you know, uh, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom comes, the, br uh, the bridegroom comes, the friend, the best man, he steps aside. He, I'm like the best man. When the br bridegroom comes, the best man steps aside. And he said, he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Now, the interesting thing is that this is John the Baptist about whom Jesus said, he says, um, he says, of all the men who are born of women, there's not one as great as John the Baptist. That means that until that point, John the Baptist was the greatest of all men. He was greater than Abraham. He was greater than Moses. He was the greatest of all men. He was, he was, Jesus said, he was the greatest of all men. Yet when this greatest of all men was asked, who he was, he didn't have a clear idea who he was, but he knew who Jesus was. He knew this, that Jesus is far greater than me. That he says he's the Lord who is coming. That's the first thing he knew, that I am just sent to prepare his way. He is the Lord and he's coming and I'm just sent to prepare his way. That's the first thing he knew. The second thing he knew that I baptize with water, but Jesus shall baptize with the Holy Ghost. And the third thing he knew, he said he must increase and I must decrease. Now, there were a couple of other things he said, but not in this context. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he also said, Jesus, about Jesus, this is the Son of God. So if you put all this together, John the Baptist, he was not the Christ, but he didn't know whether he was Elijah, whether he was the prophet, but he knew who Jesus was. He understood the majesty, the greatness of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was the Lord and he was coming and that I am sent here to proclaim him as the one who is going to come. And then he is the son of God. That's the other thing I know about him. Then the other thing I know about him is that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then the next thing I know about him, he's so much greater than me that I'm not even worthy to be his servant to untie his shoelaces. And the next thing he knew about him, he says that he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then he said, he must increase and I must decrease. So he's the greatest of all men until that time. He didn't know what his own office was, but he knew who Jesus was. Now this stands in contrast to today because you've got tons of people calling themselves apostles who are not apostles, I mean, uh, you know, people who are not even full-time ministry, call themselves apostles. So they make, a they make a definition of apostle, which is as low as possible. So as many people as possible can call themselves apostles. They've got prophets, they've got evangelists, they've got pastors, they've got teachers, but uh, it's not very attractive to be an evangelist or pastor and teacher but it's very attractive to be called an apostle, to be called a prophet. So here are people, we live in a time when people, they know they carry these titles, but they don't have the function. And here we have a man who, my goodness, he was the greatest of all men, but 
he didn't know what his own title was but he knew what Jesus was my point is this before I go and start talking about the fivefold ministry you see these fivefold ministry gifts they are not titles but they are functions the function is more important than the title so i tell people i said uh, uh, you know if you call yourself an apostle do some apostle thing raise up some dead people go to some unreached areas plant some churches you know heal the sick do some apostle things if you are an apostle it's it's not enough to carry titles titles are not in, in, enough we have to change our mindset where we understand it is not about titles but it is about functions and the function comes a result of the calling and the anointing that god has put in our lives and if we carry uh, the if we carry the anointing the weight of the anointing of god the calling of god and that's when we will have the function and when we have the function and that's when people will call us they'll say he's an apostle or he's a prophet or whatever it is you know but the important thing is not caring titles so i would tell you those who are listening to me do not worry about being called apostle or prophet or evangelist that's not the important thing the important thing is do what god has called you and anointed you to do and bear fruit so that jesus christ is glorified so if people ask you you can say like john the baptist i don't know who I, who i am but i know this much i know who jesus is and that he must increase and i must decrease and he's the son of god he's the baptizer with the holy ghost and with fire i'm just a servant but i know who jesus is hallelujah that is the most important thing of all so we will continue tomorrow tomorrow we will start talking about the fivefold ministry gifts themselves and I'll start talking about the ministry of the apostle but let's pray father in the name of jesus pray for my brothers and sisters i thank you for your hand upon their lives i ask you to bless them use them mightily for your glory meet every need they have father and spirit soul and body in the name of jesus amen well that's it and we will continue again tomorrow and god bless you